and welcome to the second episode of How Travel Changed My Life. In this episode, I'll be chatting to Shalini Bedford about her travels cycling all the way from the UK to Australia. Hi, I'm Shalini, and uh, this is a story about uh, my trip to Australia in uh, 1989, where I cycled. Well, I didn't quite cycle all the way, obviously, because there's land and sea, but I cycled a lot of the way to Australia. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. When you first decided to go on this trip, when was it? 19... 1989. Oh, wow. What kind of inspired you to go on that trip? Well, I was living in, I, I live in Byron Bay in Australia now. But yeah. um, at the time I was living in Rochester in Kent. And I've been, um, oh, what was I, in 89, 24, something like that. Yeah. And I um, had been running a cafe in Rochester with my then partner. And um, that we sold that and we were sort of, it was winter and cold and wet. And a friend came to us and said, um, you know, he was going to be cycling to Australia to um, take up a position as a photographer. And we just jumped, both of us just jumped to the chance, said, oh, we'll come will come as well. He worked out the best way and cheapest way for him to travel to Australia was by to cycle here. He told us the story and um, that he was leaving in three weeks and we just we we just sold the cafe yeah. that we were running and um, decided to, to join him. So did you plan on more. moving to Australia like permanently or was no. it more just for the trip? We could get at the time we could get a one-year um, work visa yeah. And so we applied for that thinking, oh, we'll go there and we'll um, spend a year working and then we'll make some money. I think we had at the time, we each had £2,500. Oh, really? So well, we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. We worked, I think it was about, yeah, going to be about £5 a day that we were going to be living on. And we knew that we didn't have enough money to come back, but we had a working visa. So the plan was to work to, to make enough money to then somehow come back to England. Yeah. But here I am. We, there was myself and my partner mm-hmm. and then a, the friend and we realized very quickly that his aim was to actually get to Australia as quickly as he could oh. and so he just wanted to cycle for as long as he could each day and we only lasted about two weeks together we didn't fall out but we he, we just went our separate ways and we met up a few times along the way but so it was just the two really? of us in the end yeah so did you have a, a plan like before you left did you know how you were going to do it or was it as you went we had we had to get visas, so we you know we knew we were going through um, Europe. We decided we would go. Th- um, we wanted to go through China, so we kind of had a, a a brief plan. We knew we were going to get to Budapest, and there, there was a train that would take us through um, Russia and Mongolia to China because a lot of that at the time was really closed to being able to travel independently. You had to actually join a tour group to be able to tour in Russia, and same in China actually. So we. We got visas, mm-hmm. I think, and then Thailand. And, you know, it was obvious then that to come down from China was to go through Thailand and Malaysia and Indonesia. So I think we ended up, I do think we had visas for all those things, but we had an Australian visa that was going to run out in a year. So we had yeah. we had a year to do it. As you travelled, because you said you wanted to take it a bit slower, did you kind of stop off in countries and stay? Or was it was the aim to get to Australia? Or was it to kind of see places along well, the way? Yeah, we knew we had to get there. You know, like a year wasn't a lot of time, but we, yeah. so we couldn't hang around too much. But we did, most places, we, we, we did little detours. Like we did mm. go and visit um, t- some tourist destinations. And in China, we, I yeah. think we went north first and, and followed the Great Wall of China for a little while and then kind of headed down and some friends came out for a couple of weeks holiday in 
Thailand at the time and um, but mostly we were just making our way to Australia so and what made you want to cycle to Australia because there was flights then, wasn't there? Yeah, there was flights. Yeah. One, we didn't have much money. Yeah. And two, this friend, we, we, we didn't actually think about going to Australia to a fr- till this friend basically said, yeah. uh, I'm going three weeks, you know, do you want to come? And we were yeah. like, oh, yeah, why not? Yeah. I just remember ringing my mum saying, I'm cycling to Australia in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a shock. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, we weren't cyclists. We weren't particularly I was going to say, well, was that a hobby? Uh, or? <laughs> Really? No, I had to go and buy bikes and we kind of bought <laughs> yeah. these bikes. Yeah, no, we weren't particularly fit. Terrified. And then once we set off, we were like, what are we doing? This is absolutely so, insane. But Yeah, what sort of miles were you doing every day? I think we might have started about 50 and then maybe yeah. got up to about 80 or something like that. Like we yeah. we weren't, and, and depending on the terrain. I mean, some places the roads were just mud, you know, some places yeah. it was just tracks through forests. I mean, we had... It was a pretty wild experience. We'd go on trains and things, yeah, yeah. And a lot of places we had to get across water, so we hitched on fishing boats and. Oh got really? Some I was going to say and, and the other forms of transport. But was the majority of the trip cycling? Would you say the majority of the distance? I don't know. We did. We had to do a big distance in in, in a train because we had to go yeah. from budapest to um, beijing in, in a train so and we weren't actually allowed to arrive in china with bikes you actually had to arrive you were supposed to arrive on a plane and then go on a, um, a tour group yeah because they they would only just opened up for tourists to be able to go there and they wanted you to go and see just the sites that they wanted you to see which were you know sort of the tourist destinations and stay in really nice hotels and and we didn't that was yeah. the absolute opposite of what we wanted to do so we packaged our bikes up on that train and um and you know you can as much as you could package a bike up we took it all apart and put it in cut these cardboard boxes and kind of got on this train and the train went yeah so that was a big distance by a train but um yeah it was pretty fascinating as well because we we had to have two days in Moscow um and you weren't really allowed to be on your own there but we they ended up letting us um, stay for a couple of nights in some student accommodation, which meant we got to see a different part of Moscow, which was fantastic. And then we had to travel all the way through Mongolia, but we didn't have a visa for Mongolia. We were pretty naive. Um, And we got marched off the train by um, guards with guns into this little office. And, and, you know, like nobody knew we were on this train and could have shot us and no one would have ever (laughs) known, I don't think. It was pretty scary, but... um, our guess was that when we, you know, when they came to check our visa and we told them we didn't have one, they would either chuck us back into um, Russia or or send us on to um, China. And luckily, they sent us on to China, so yeah. we got to China. Okay, but yeah, a lot of it was. I mean, there was a lot of cycling. You know, every bit that we could cycle, we did. But when we had to cross oceans and um, and then we eventually had to fly from Flores in Indonesia to um, Darwin. We actually really uh, okay. that was disappointing. We we wanted to. Get get a boat to to Darwin but you weren't allowed you weren't allowed to actually arrive in in Australia by a fishing boat (laughs) (laughs) did you have any problems like while you were traveling with your bikes or anything Um, in China we rested a few times in China um, because again you weren't allowed to be there so with bikes but the thing was we were going to places where people hadn't actually seen white people before um, so they didn't really know what to do with us there was one guy guard once that stopped us in the road and he had a big sign with sort of big stop sign and it said stop in English but I don't think he knew what stop 
in English meant or anything, <laughs> really? you know, they, they put us on house arrest and made us write an essay about yeah. something about our travels. And then the next day, again, put us on a bus to get us out of, out of their province oh, as quickly wow. as possible. Nobody really knew what to do. So we were, we were pretty, we felt pretty safe, but um, yeah, that was probably the main problems we had in traveling with bikes. And did you not yeah, get like, ill at all? Yeah, I, I ended up in the last few months with amoebic dysentery. So I was pretty sick by the time we got to Australia. And yeah. um, the guy I was traveling with, he had um, septic ulcers on his feet. <laughs> so we actually arrived really quite sick. But um, I, I got knocked off the bike in um, Bali on the roads by a, a truck in Bali. And that actually really kind of was well, you got hit, hard. hit by a truck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just the back of my bike but it yeah. threw me off and down a down a slope and um we were in the middle of nowhere I mean Bali is such a tourist destination but we were always determined not to go to the tourist destination so um we ended up the only place we could find to sleep was in a policeman uh like a police headquarters or whatever and they put us in a cell for the night <laughs> but anyway oh my gosh. Yeah. Did you ever feel? Did you ever feel quite unsafe, or like generally? Um, the only place I felt unsafe was in Malaysia, yeah. actually, which, um, as a woman in Malaysia, yeah. yeah, we were camping on a beach there. That was probably a bit silly mm. in hindsight. We camped in all the way through Europe. Really cold in Europe. Actually, we got put up in in some people's houses and things in um, some places like China and Thailand. It was really cheap to stay in little hotels, so we did that sometimes, or we got. We got put up by families. I mean, people were just amazing. That was one of the amazing things about it, that people, you know, had nothing, but they were just so kind and friendly and yeah. and um, would put us up. But so we once we, I think we actually sent our tent home once we maybe got to China because we realised we weren't going to be using it. Oh, no, maybe not because we did camp in Malaysia. So <laughs> maybe we yeah. didn't. <laughs> we mostly didn't camp after Europe and when you were camping yeah. were you like carrying it all with you yes oh, wow. yeah well no on little you have these like panniers that go on oh, the right. side of the bike set off with quite a lot of stuff and slowly we just kind of either sent it home or threw it out because when you were going up hills you really realized that um what you were carrying was really important <laughs> so we kind of by the end we didn't have a lot and it was hot in most places yeah. you know it was boiling hot and we didn't need a lot of stuff so our bikes were quite light and we were just uh we were just a shock to people people would just you know come running out of paddy fields as we cycle by or um yeah. yeah sometimes when we were in china we'd have um hundreds of people from the village would all just come and queue up to look through the window to look at us it was fascinating was there any like moments in the trip that like you always remember or I think just how generous everyone was like the people yeah. would be you know they really didn't have anything but but they they would you know they would straight away offer to share a meal with us and sometimes it was you know like one tiny you know nothing you know hardly anything with yeah. us, rice and a few little veggies and that and it would just be passed around so that was a the thing that probably stuck with me the most we once got some a guy in China took us out for dinner once and um, we realized the puppies that were running around the restaurant were to eat and he asked us to choose one that always comes back oh and uh, we refused actually but it was like things like that were kind of a bit shocking <laughs> kind of this big honor for him to take us to this restaurant and we had to very gently decline were you were you vegan yeah. then 
I, yeah. I was a veg. Yeah, I'm a vegan a veg- now, but yeah. I was a vegetarian then, so <laughs> it was pretty horrendous. But I managed know, yeah. pretty much not to eat meat the whole way. We were with families; they were offering us, and that's all they had, and they were offering to us. It was obvious that I was turning it down. I would just eat a little bit because yeah, people were just offering us, you know, everything they had. So by the time you got there, like uh, money-wise, did you have much money left, or was it? Was it a lot cheaper than you thought? No. I think we arrived in Australia with, um, might have been £12 to our name between really? us. So, yeah. oh, so what yeah. happened? We arrived the day after, we arrived the day before our visa finished and we had, I think, £12 between us. So we realised so we had really to So it really did take you a away. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It took us, I think we got the visa in, Fe- in January and we left in February and we might have got there, I think we got there the 27th of January, 1990. Um, but we both ended up, we ended up separating and we both ended up with um, Australian partners. So we both ended up staying. Yeah. The guy that came came to um, work as a photographer, he, um, yeah. he left. He's living back in the UK. But... Yeah. We, once we got here, we were both pretty unwell and um, we didn't have any money. We, met, we just realised we had to work. And cycling through, Aust- we didn't cycle through Australia. We actually hitched a, a ride yeah. um, because it's you've been here the distances mm. are so huge the signposts like, are just unbelievable you know one place the next place is I don't know 10 miles and the next place is 200 miles and then the next one's 2,000 miles kind of thing yeah you know there's so much desert and things we, we just didn't have it in us and we didn't have the money to keep going so we both got work in just for a few weeks I think in Darwin and then mm. um traveled to Adelaide and yeah started working there yeah so how long <laughs> were you living with so did you live with him in Adelaide? A long time? Um, we were just there yeah, months in Adelaide and then we moved yeah. to Melbourne and then I think um, we separated maybe uh, I don't know, a year later or something, six yeah. months later. Or something. Oh, but yeah. in yeah. time for us to both apply for visas. So yeah. Yeah. When did you kind of make that decision to stay? Pretty much straight away. I absolutely loved it. The, really? The, I just loved oh. it here. The moment I got yeah. here. Yeah. How old were you again? Yeah, 20, just, um, I was 24, 24 when we set yeah. off. 25 That's really young. when I got there. Yeah. But it was just—it's a beautiful country. The sky's yeah. really huge, and um, and there was a lot more opportunity. It was a pretty depressing time to be in the UK in '89. Yeah. A lot of strikes. There was all the coal mining strikes and um, whopping strikes, and um, Margaret Thatcher was in was the prime minister, and it was just a pretty depressing. A lot of co- uh, coal miners yeah. were striking because the coals were. Mines were closing and people were, you know, sort of really couldn't feed themselves. And it was a pretty depressing time in, in the UK. So to arrive yeah. in Australia, they had, you know, amazing blue skies and, you know, and there was a lot of opportunity. So we just got jobs in cafes to start with. And it was just, yeah, a lot of fun. And we were earning really good money and just having, yeah, having a good time. And yeah. um, both of us decided we wanted to stay. So now, how many years have you been there now? What is it, 30-something, 33 or something? Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing, I mean, yeah. I think back then, if I'd have, um, it's a long way from the UK and my, you know, my yeah. family at the time, my mum was quite young and, and now she's pretty old. And, and I do feel that now. Like if I'd, if I'd go have my, if I could have the time again, I don't know whether I would have stayed. Oh, really? Um, just because I'm so far away from my mum. That's, mm. yeah, that's quite sad. When you said you were going to stay, how did she react? Oh, she was quite an. We were always brought up to be adventurous, and yeah, she yeah. just thought it was a fantastic. Yeah, Aww. so she was really happy. Because yeah. your your sister. 
it's moved yeah, out so here. When, um, I think yeah. I can't remember how long after I lived here, my elder sister came out for a visit with her family, and yeah. um, they loved it. So they went back, and she was a teacher, and at the time, um, Australia needed teachers, so she applied to to come, and so she's she lives here as well now. Yeah. So that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Family here. Yeah. <laughs> Is she the only other family you have in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever? Mm-hmm. You never plan on moving back here now no because I've got you know I've got family here now yeah yeah yeah, I'm married to an Australian and stepchildren and grandchildren and I again I I sometimes think I might like to go back for sort of six months or something but yeah while the grandkids are young certainly not to 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 come and live full time but um yeah it's kind of home now how long after um initially going to Australia did you come back to the UK it was about seven years it was quite a long time oh wow yeah and yeah. I just surprised everyone my mum actually wasn't there at the time she was sailing around the world <laughs> but I surprised my sister I just turned up on the doorstep one day but that was kind of fun yeah I think it was quite a while because it took quite a few years to get a visa and you weren't allowed to leave the country so okay. I think it might have been five or seven years something like yeah. that yeah the older yeah. I get the more I think about the things that I like doing in the UK and when yeah. I go back I get a little bit homesick for the place but it's pretty beautiful place here as well yeah I'm Does... pretty settled I mean it's a long time I spent more of my life here than I did there so although you don't you you don't really lose where your roots are from I don't think I think that's always really strongly in you how does um like living in Australia do you feel like your life would be really different if you'd stayed here probably yeah. not that much different yeah. in a lot of ways I mean I think the UK is a much easier place to live these days I think you know than than it was so I think I would have just settled and been doing similar things maybe yeah yeah probably not spending so much time outside it's a lot nicer weather there yeah yeah the weather's so good here (laughs) do you have any like advice for anyone else Mm -hmm. wanting to move abroad permanently or or even travel to Australia Um, I think it's really good to get off the um like the regular tourist trail that that's what made it for us and I think that's probably you know that's so much easier these days you don't have to get a bike and do it um yeah and get buses (laughs) and things probably but um I think that really showed us you know different side of every country and we got to meet sort of people that weren't um working in the tourist industry that was sort of it was it's a different time I mean nowadays you can travel nearly everywhere at the time then the country yeah. of China wasn't that open and people didn't know about it. You know, you didn't, you couldn't read much about it or anything. But I think that's probably my advice is just to get off the beaten track. And and what, what made you choose like Byron Bay to kind of settle now? I was living in Melbourne and we spent yeah. quite a while in Melbourne. I was, I don't know, there about six years or something. And um, it was a really lovely, fun place to be. But then I um, started meditating and doing yoga and got really into yoga. And I started coming up to Byron Bay to, to do yoga retreats. Then one day I just thought, uh, rather than coming up here for a holiday, maybe I'll move up here and live here, which is you know really lovely, and um, go to Melbourne for holidays. So I sort of swapped that. Yeah. And um, I've been here, yeah, that was, I don't know, 93 maybe, uh, 95 maybe 95 I moved up here so yeah, yeah. and um I've, I I love it up here it's a really a bit of an alternate community um lots of farmers markets lots of natural you know the natural environment the beach it's 
Yeah. Do you cycle much now? No, I don't have a bike at the moment. Do you not? <laughs> There's too oh, many hills around where oh, I am. Really? Because <laughs> you, you go swimming in the sea a lot, don't you? I, yeah, I swim and yeah. I, I um, bushwalk, hike. Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. That's sort of my thing. Um, yeah. I did have a bike. We were talking about my, my bike. I kept my bike for years, but um, I, I ended up getting rid of it. And then I've since got other bikes, but it's not something I yeah. have any desire really to spend a lot of time on a bike. It really was a means of transport. And it was such yeah. a wonderful means of transport because when you're in a bus or a train, you miss, mm. you kind of yeah. miss everything. Whereas on a bike, you're just going so much slower that you actually could stop any, you know, anything. You just saw something out of, you know, and you could stop or somebody would wave and you could stop and say hello. Yeah. So it was a, true. a fantastic yeah. way of traveling. It just meant that you were really um, connected to people. And I mean, in China, they've never seen bikes like ours before. You know, the bikes had maybe... Um, two gears or something three gears yeah. and ours had I don't know 20 or something but um you know so they were fascinated with our bike and just with us so but it was just lovely to be able to go slow and to be able to just say oh this is a nice place let's stop you know let's stop here whereas these days if you're traveling by bus or planes and things you know you're, you're determined it determines where you go yeah whereas this we can choose to go anywhere oh again unless you get hire a car that's the other thing I guess mm-hmm. and did you you didn't have phones like we have now like how sorry sounds no. funny. um but you didn't have <laughs> did you have a physical map <laughs> yes we did. can't even imagine we yeah. <laughs> no phones we had to go and do um pay phones i think sometimes we did phone really? home sometimes oh. um write letters then oh, really? <laughs> so we sent letters home we did have we used to try and get a map everywhere we went but yeah. i remember in china we bought this map and all the um signs are all in you know chinese like which is all um characters you know it's not something so we would have to study a, a sign and then you know try and find it on the map and try and sort of so it was really oh, wow. hard to, really um, to even read the maps did maps you never that... like ever think oh i don't we don't know where we are Yes, a few times, I think. We have to find someone on a map and show it to someone. And a lot of the time people, you know, couldn't yeah. read. Yeah. So it was it was just a matter of holding up a map to a sign and seeing whether the characters were the same and just hoping. I actually ended up really loving not being able to speak the language because you actually found all these kind of other ways to communicate and it was yeah. quite yeah it made it all a bit more intimate it more was, of a challenge <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. so I'm hungry where can I eat where can <laughs> yeah. I sleep you it was a way that you ended up connecting a bit more with people and often, yeah you know you ended up on their floor sleeping and they ended up feeding you so it's kind of see how you know yeah peasant farmers rice farmers lived and things like that so we kind of ended up a lot in people's um yeah. living rooms even now I get so thrilled about it it, yeah. was, it was an absolute adventure we were really naive actually um you know yeah. we were a bit silly because mm. anything could have happened when we got we went through one village and we don't know why whether it was because they hadn't seen westerners and who knows they might have thought we were ghosts they you yeah. know we got stoned we got people throwing stones at us I mean it wasn't all oh wonderful God. you know yeah. when we got marched off the train in Mongolia you know it was terrifying I mean yeah really anything could have happened so we were a bit silly but um in doing that we really got to have a an incredible adventure we had to have to go and you know walk down the fishing um through the fishing village and just try and get a boat that was going to take us somewhere on a map that we couldn't really pronounce you know I mean it was kind of and then we'd go off with these guys on a boat you know 
people were just so friendly and yeah i think you got you got to you know you got to um you had to be intuitive you had to sort yeah. of work out when you yeah because no, no one's gonna save fighting. you when they're in the middle of the sea i guess <laughs> like, <you> could, <laughs> that was anything i guess could have happened but it didn't we did get a we won a little ferry once that um started sinking that was a bit scary <laughs> and all really? these chinese people just started um they have this um what's like paper money and it's what they start throwing it out of over the boat to give to the gods to sort of try and um, uh, pay the gods to keep them safe so people were just yeah. doing that and i think they they must have somehow we weren't far from the port and they sent another boat out i think to get us okay so we had to climb most people wouldn't have been able to have swam i mean at least we could have swam maybe somewhere yeah. i don't know but most of the people on the boat couldn't have Oh, have really? been, you know, yeah. wouldn't have known how to swim, so it would have been pretty scary. I was thinking earlier of you know how that um, how the journey had influenced me as a person, and, and yeah. if it had, and I was thinking of sort of when we were in Moscow, we we got befriended by two young guys, and they were just seventeen, and they just come back from the um, Afghanistan war, so they'd been you know shooting people. They were young guys, and that really affected me. And and just seeing um, those countries, Budapest was pretty closed down at the time, and China the same. People didn't have much freedom in Russia, and so that kind of didn't make me political or anything, but it it just opened my eyes to how much freedom and and what a you know amazing life I have. Yeah. Um, so things like that kind of happened out of it and just people's generosity just people were just so kind um and generous so I think yeah that's always been with me I always try yeah. and be kind of kind and generous to particularly people traveling but um since I've you know worked for a charitable organization and I don't know whether that had some influence on on my my sort of working serving you know communities and things maybe it did just to see how how kind and generous and also in what poverty people were living you know so there was spent the last 30 years a lot of my time spent sort of um fundraising and yeah for different yeah. things so i know you said like your lifestyle might not be that different if you lived in the uk compared to australia but i guess the trip itself did influence your life and obviously it's changed the way you live yeah. <laughs> um where you live absolutely today. I live yeah. a very simple life like you know I don't live without things with you know the people we saw but people lived such yeah. simple lives and I just remember being absolutely drawn to women that were squatting on a sort of earthen floor cooking just on a little fire out of one pot and it, that that always just you know stuck with me that was one of the visions that I just used to love to see and it was so simple um yeah. And people lived in just really tiny houses. I still live in a really tiny house. I, I like really small spaces um, to live. I, you know, we have a fantastic life here, but but it's quite simple in, in yeah. what I do and yeah, what desires I have in the world. And I think that was probably really influenced by, mm. by the trip. So my life did change. Who knows whether I would have yeah. been living a similar a life in, in, in England, but... Yeah. yeah, certainly. Um, it the trip did influence the rest of my life. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, sorry, you told it amazingly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Shalini for sharing her story. Be sure to check out the Instagram page "How Travel Changed My Life" for inspirational travel content and advice, and to keep up to date with the latest episodes.
Join me next time as I listen to a tale of someone whose life has been changed by travel. And I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.